Hi everyone, welcome back to When the World Falls podcast. This is our second ongoing mini-series known as The Forgotten, where we will be focusing on missing individuals who have never been found. Um, Again, this is really to raise awareness, have conversations around kind of the situations and circumstances of their disappearance. Um, Especially in these situations, we can never have too much awareness and you can never know what we'll find, right? So we even talk, we hear cases all the time about bodies being discovered decades after the fact or even now if you look at like Lake Mead, right? Lake Mead with the reduction of the water in it has uncovered a, a significant amount of bodies that were undoubtedly missing people for a multitude of years. So anyways, um, so our first episode for this mini-series is going to be on Anne-Marie Fahey. Um, and I mean, technically this case is arguably solved. However, I think it's still quite an important one. It talks about a lot of domestic violence, um, toxic relationships, love bombing, age gap relationships, um, and also how like power plays a huge role in relationships and can contribute to concerns in that area. So a little bit of background on Amory Fahey. So Amory Fahey disappeared on June 27th slash 28th of 1996 in New Wellington, Delaware in the U.S. So she was born in 1966 to a tight-knit Irish Catholic family that had originated in Galway. She was the youngest of six children. However, her mother died when she was six years old due to lung cancer. This unfortunate passing and the trauma of this, the sudden passing of her mother, resulted in her father struggling with severe alcoholism until his death in 1986 from leukemia. Uh, Her brother, Brian Fahey, is quoted as saying that this left the siblings to figure out their own way out. Anne was described as a tall, striking, and popular girl, but who was also fearful and insecure after her mother's death. She studied international relationships in university and a family friend was able to connect her to a job in Washington working for a rising Democrat congressman known by Thomas Carper. And she was working for him initially as his scheduling secretary. Um, And now we'll go a little bit into our unpleasant individual in this story or the alleged murder who has actually been convicted. Um, But... He was, yeah. So Thomas Capano was born in, on October 11th, 1949 in Delaware and was one of four brothers from a prominent real estate and contracting family. So obviously came from a significant amount of money in this situation, um, a significant amount of privilege, basically like very much the stereotypical silver spoon. He graduated um, with a law degree and became a well-known lawyer state prosecutor, city attorney, political consultant, and legal counsel for Governor Mike Castle. So again, we can see that this person is coming from a great, a very well-to-do family and continuing in that role of just consistently making quite a substantial name for himself. So Anne and Thomas met by chance in 1993, allegedly at a work event. The two hit it off immediately, despite Thomas currently being married at the time with four children, with four daughters. 
It started occasionally with lunches together, but quickly progressed into out-of-town weekends, despite the 17-year age difference. Um, so again, we can start seeing it here, right? We have Anne, who's very much like a younger, more um, sheltered individual coming into the political world of Washington, D.C., and kind of being swept off her feet by this like high-flying lawyer. So Thomas quickly love-bombed Anne, and if you don't know what love-bombing means, it means to really significantly shower someone with substantial attention, affection, um, kind of creating that like stereotype of a perfect, very immensely adored relationship. And once that person has been invested and has been kind of like caught by that affection, the abuser will then scale it back significantly and often gaslight the person, leaving them to question what they did wrong, what could they do to regain that love that they had initially. Um, and so then that abuser will then breadcrumb the other person by giving them a tiny hint of that affection that they had before and then pulling back again. And so it really works to manipulate the person to behaving how the abuser wants them to and really leaving them almost like addicted to that desire to get that love back. So like I mentioned, Thomas love bombed and showering her with gifts and constant attention. However, he also then started dictating what she wore, what she ate and who she could spend time with. In 1994, Anne was struggling with her mental health and started seeing a regular therapist. However, the therapist unfortunately passed away in 1995 in a car accident and this resulted in a further spiral and Anne eventually struggling with bulimia. Um, from a therapeutic mental health context, we also often see that um, eating disorders are connected to people struggling to have control over their life. It's very common if you feel that your life is out of control because if you can't control your surroundings, at least you can control what your body is doing. So during this time, that Anne was struggling with her mental health and was struggling with bulimia. Thomas was so fixated on Anne, despite the fact that he was also having several other affairs at the same time. However, this obsession started to turn violent in 1996 when Anne tried to leave the relationship after meeting 31-year-old executive Michael Scallon, um, which obviously would be a much more appropriate relationship for Anne and I would have, I think it would have been better off to begin with. So this attempt to free herself resulted in Thomas going quote-unquote crazy, according to Anne's friends, bombarding her with calls and emails, which often included insults such as calling her white trash. Um, this all came to a head on Friday, June 27, 1996, when Anne met with Thomas for dinner. So the two of them met for dinner at Restaurante Panorama in Philadelphia with the plans and Anne had the plan to end the relationship for good. After their meal, they are seen on camera leaving the restaurant shortly after 9pm. This, however, would be the last time she was ever seen and she would be reported missing by her family on June 30th, 1996. While the rest of the evening remains strictly speculation by police, it is obviously obvious that something horrific has occurred as Anne has never been since been seen since. So while we don't have a body, again, this is all speculation from police. There's nothing physically confirmed. However, this is the assumption of what had occurred. 
Police believe that Thomas took her back to his house, which he had started renting after his marriage separation in 1995. It is believed that an argument ensued, resulted in Thomas shooting Anne dead, and then recruiting his brother Gerard to help him dump the body in the ocean on June 28, 1996, about 60 miles off the shore of New Jersey. Um, and Gerard had actually disclo- did disclose participating in this and that the body was sunk with two anchors. Um, however, he almost got away with it, as it wasn't until about two years of speculation with no evidence by police that they received confirmation via confession by Gerard Capano of his, of his involvement in the murder. Although the murder weapon was never found, nor has Anne's remain, remains ever been found, Thomas was arrested in November of 1997 Um, when Gerard was being investigated or being interrogated. He confessed that they had tried to sink a body from his boat with a cooler, but it kept floating up. So they proceeded to use anchors to weigh them down, weigh down the body, along with disposing of a bloodstained carpet and sofa. The empty cooler was actually found on July 4th of 1996, but didn't appear to have been tested for DNA. Um, With regards to the belief of Anne being shot by Capano, although Thomas had never purchased a gun himself, one of his mistresses, Debbie McIntyre, had one that that she loaned out to him around the time of the murder. The case ended up going to trial on October of 1998 and lasted 12 weeks. The defense tried to spin the situation and argue that Debbie had burst into Thomas's room and threatened to kill herself over seeing Thomas and Anne allegedly in an uh, intimate embrace. And this resulted in a struggle over the gun, which ended up ended with Anne accidentally being shot. Despite this farce, Thomas was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death by lethal injection. Um, this is a very actually important case because it's also the first case in Delaware where a murder conviction was achieved without a body. In January of 2006, Delaware Supreme Court affirmed the conviction but, rem- but remanded the case for new sentencing, which was then changed to life without parole. His 2008 and 2009 appeals were also denied. On September 19th, 2011, Thomas was found dead in his cell due to a heart attack at 61 years old. Unlike Anne, though, Thomas's family was able to be buried and had a funeral. Um, I think in these situations, if we're looking at the... Just like the drastic age difference, the love bombing, all of the concerning things that emerged, right? I think it's a very clear sign that things were going in a very dangerous direction for Anne and Thomas. Um, although we have to remember, like, the fact that Anna was in the process of trying to leave the relationship, this is statistically known as the most dangerous part when fleeing domestic violence because it is when you're challenging the control of your abuser, and that will often result in the person trying to regain that control through either increased violence, increased manipulation, or sometimes they'll pull the whole, like, if I can't have you, no one else can garbage, um, which is part of what results in the increased likelihood of violence and death occurring at this time. Um, I think, unfortunately, we lost a really, 
like new a person who would have done quite well on the Washington scene. I think she had a very interesting life to live and it was quite cut quite short and it was cut quite short by a man who couldn't have his ego be injured and I think that was the most frustrating part of this and I think it really determines the anger that people have um or that men have towards women at time right like we have a saying that men are afraid that women will laugh at them and women are afraid that men will kill them and I think this is a really good example because Thomas Capano became violent when his power and status was being threatened by the fact that Anna was leaving. Anyways, um, thanks for listening in. I will have photos and images of this case on our po- on our Instagram, which is When the World Falls podcast. If you have any case suggestions, comments, questions, um, critiques, I welcome it all. And it can just be sent via message on our Instagram page. So this is Teresa signing off and I'll see you next time.